escape. Recruit a team of teenagers with attitudes. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Hangovers and Hand Grenades. I am your host, Nick Bono, and I am recovering from a long night of drinking whiskey and beers and watching cars go around a dirt track. So, this all being said, last time I did a Mortal Kombat episode, I decided that I wanted to finish it by watching... Let's see what I did there. Uh, by watching Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And in the first episode, I was super stoked on this. I was like, oh man, I'm going to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation because it's such a great movie. And man, did I forget a lot about this movie. So there's going to be a bunch to talk about here. But really to to preface this, okay, so um, Mortal Kombat Annihilation comes out in 1997, two years after the original Mortal Kombat movie came out. Um, IMDb rated Mortal Kombat 95 um, a 5.8 out of 10. So not a bad score. I mean, it, like it did well, uh, but Mortal Kombat Annihilation, on the other hand, got a 3.7. So yeah, that hurts a little bit. Uh, but regardless, um, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is about a group of teenagers recruited by Raiden to save the Earth from uh Rita I mean I'm sorry uh, my bad Mortal Kombat's about a group of martial art warriors who only have 6 days to save the earth from an extra dimensional invasion no parallels drawn uh so to kind of kick it off the Mortal Kombat Annihilation movie opens up with a recap of the original movie so you know, if in the last two years you kind of forgot the premise of Mortal Kombat, despite there being several games and all this good stuff, they're like, hey, uh, here's here's what happened. But before we even get to the opening scene, before you even get to watch the movie, um, you have to remember, watching this on DVD, there was a menu screen that you get to see. And the opening screen almost looks like a PowerPoint for like an energy drink commercial like really bad graphics and like really weird upbeat music and it's just like they're trying to premise like the elder gods which you know nothing about at this point and so here you are being blasted with all these different elements just to play your movie so either way you get through the play movie section of the dvd menu and and you start recapping on on the first movie which you know, again, it's just a bunch of people. They pick up right where they left off in the first movie, so that's kind of nice. I don't think we needed the recap, though. I think I think two years, that's not a terribly long time, and the game's kind of, you know, still kept us up in the loop. Either way, they open up with uh, flaming fighters. So, like, this portal opens up in the sky, and people just start falling through it, and they're on fire, and you're like, are those meteors? And like, it turns out they're people, and they're what's known as the extermination squad. Um, and even though they're falling from the sky, <laughs> they kind of like jump from side to side as like this as the camera moves and shows that they're arriving, and they're just kind of leaping across. And it's like, okay, well they're they're falling out of the sky, yet they're kind of jumping horizontally. I don't know what these guys were thinking. I mean, obviously this movie 
did not walk in with the greatest of intentions of probably trying to get off the ground with uh you know making their money back but regardless um and i i have to say uh this is some of the worst cg and green screening you will ever see in a movie at this level so uh if you watch this again uh be ready for just a hilarious amount of bad bad effects so it's not even like funny bad it's just like college yeah i don't know college student bad like a college project bad um so the the first scene like this is where they really start to introduce like they're like their mentality behind this movie where we're gonna see more characters doing like more of what you know from the game so it's kind of cool that they did that um they open up with uh, motaro ermac rain and shiva um all lined up and like you know it's kind of cool because you're thinking of these characters. You're like, wow, these are these are the badasses of uh, you know minus rain. Um, these are the badasses of Mortal Kombat, uh, and it's it's kind of cool. And eventually, Sindel shows up, um, who has been revived back to life, um, and turns out is uh, Katana's mother. Um, so Queen Sindel's there. Shao Kahn eventually shows up, um, and Raiden you know, is there and they both do a, a sweet front flip cannonball towards each other to have a very nice chat about what's going on. And, you know, Shao Kahn sounds like he wants to cry as he explains <laughs> that he's retaking over the Earth realm, even though there hasn't been a Mortal Kombat to say that he can do so. So at this point, we now know that Shao Kahn is like, Fuck Mortal Kombat tournaments. I'm still going to take over this Earth Realm. So um, they get into a big fight, and uh, Shao Kahn eventually gets a hold of Johnny, Johnny Cage, who unfortunately does not get to see most of the movie and dies. Uh, Shao Kahn kills Johnny Cage within the first five minutes of the movie, essentially, uh, breaks his neck. And so, you know, Khan is like, all right, peace out. I'll see you guys later. Uh, goes back to Outworld um, and then like leaves his Annihilation Squad, or his Extermination Squad behind. Uh, and then somehow magically uses, uh, I believe, what would be the same as like an intercom to kind of like voice over to the Earth Realm from the Outworld to tell his goons to annihilate them. Thank you. We got the movie title in. Boom, we can, we can stop watching, all right? We got Mortal Kombat, we got the Annihilation, bam, done. Don't need to watch any further. But, unfortunately, we do, and I did. So, here we go. Um, so, the movie kind of goes on to, uh, you know, start dividing up the cast, okay? So, they're like, um, Johnny Cage, or I'm sorry, <laughs> man, I'm going to be obsessed with saying Johnny Cage again because I said his name once. Uh, Liu Kang and Katana obviously are paired up. They, they put like a Scooby-Doo. They're like, Fred gets the girls and uh, everyone else is left with whoever. But uh, Liu Kang and uh, Katana are put into what's called a Velosphere. So the Velosphere is essentially these spheres that use inner wind tunnels that are created by geothermic winds, okay, to go anywhere in earth so let's just let's just think about this for a hot minute uh, you can go anywhere on earth 
through these tunnels that we have no idea where they came from, and you have to travel in a metal sphere about two inches away from somebody face to face. Why wouldn't you just get on a plane? If you're still like planning on traveling around Earth, I see no need to take these geothermic metal spheres through rock tunnels to get where you have to go. Like, what, what, Just take a plane. It's okay. Or a train. Or even just drive a car. Where are the cars? Why haven't we seen a car in this movie yet? Where the hell are all the cars? So, whatever. You know what? We said it in the last movie. You're creating this... this non or i'm sorry this fictional world i guess we don't need these explanations as to where these things came from or why they're there or are they actually in there but they seem incredibly dangerous uh because there's what's called interchanges so where you would like on a train track kind of change which way the train goes and what direction uh these things have an interchange that causes you to have to span a gap into another tunnel so you pretty much have to thread a needle somehow and it's all done over a massive river flow now i don't know if they're all like this i don't know if some of them are like more well thought out and this is the most dangerous one that they happen to show but seriously who who said this was a good idea like uh we're gonna put like this giant chasm and you have to thread a needle to get where you're going and if you fail uh you die have fun. <laughs> so this all being said, um, you know, eventually we're starting to see the CG kick in. You know, they 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 are moving across the scenes. Uh, you know, we're moving along in the movie here. Um, they they bring you to Shao Kahn's temple and or castle or whatever you want to really call it. Um, and it, this looked like either a really bad CG or like a small model that they used. Either way, it looks bad um and it could just be the effects of the clouds that they use on the background that's making it look so bad either way khan has a brief talk with his father who turns out to be the elder god shinnok um so shinnok has now deviated away from the other elder gods he's on his own little quest to take over the earth realm and he's told the other elder gods like fuck you i'm not partaking in any of this stupid rule crap you have going on we're gonna go take over earth realm so after a brief conversation uh with uh the elder god there khan and such and the movie keeps moving along and this movie has uh, very little downtime like they're just like uh you know, they're like fight scene fight scene fight scene transition fight scene fight scene fight scene introduction of new character fight scene fight scene it's really cool in that regard because they really did jam pack this movie full of new characters which is really great because we finally get to see a lot of our favorites kind of come through here um they made reference to striker and cabal in the last movie but we never got to see them those were two really well-known characters at the time um and i would really like to have seen them in the movie but regardless we are given a plethora of new characters here i mean we started off with you know some big names like i said motaro ermac Shiva, Sindel, Shao Kahn, Raiden, Liu Kang, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade. I mean, the list goes on and on literally throughout the movie. So, you know, kind of bringing it back, we're introduced to these new characters. Um, when Liu Kang and, and Katana finally get out of their terrible means of transportation to their underground destination, I guess this is where they wanted to go. 
we see like smoke, like literal smoke kind of moving up as they're having like this stupid love scene that's unnecessary and could totally have been cut out of the film. And thank God they did interrupt it <laughs> before it got to be too much. Um, but you see this literal smoke coming up and any fan of the movie or the games uh, knows exactly who this is. We get to see smoke. He's one of the the cyborg ninjas in this movie. In the games, uh, he was both a reskin of the regular ninjas um, and also could be played as a cyborg. So um, introducing the cyborgs to this kind of goes more into depth with what the Lin Kuei are doing um, with their cyborg initiative where they're saying, okay, we're going to start turning people into slaves essentially by converting them into robots. So... um, some of our favorite characters, uh, if you played Mortal Kombat, I believe X, you get to see them before they become the cyborg versions of themselves. Uh, Cyrax, Sector, Smoke, Sub-Zero even becomes a cyborg, which is kind of cool. So either way, you know, we see Smoke show up and he kind of does something a little strange. Uh, but we'll get to that a little bit here. So cyber, we got cyborgs now. We got the cyborg ninjas and as a kid... I was so stoked to see the Cyborg Ninjas. I'm a huge fan of robots. I'm I'm riding on the uh, 80s Terminator, you know, RoboCop, Transformers, you know, like robots were the big thing. So seeing the Cyborg Ninjas come out was like really cool. Um, and so, you know, Smoke shows up to fight Katana and Liu Kang in this underground scene. It's accompanied by, of course, sweet 90s club music. So, again, they didn't skimp out on the soundtrack of this movie either. They really went full bore on this and said, all right, we're going to have some sweet techno firing back and forth again during our fight scenes. But it's not as hype. It's not as hype. It's not as fire. It's not as lit. So, unfortunately. But still cool nonetheless. So, And this is a good example also where they start to show more of we're going to see what you know from the game. So Katana finally pulls out her fans. She didn't have them in the first movie. The second movie here, she does have them. And while they're huge and chunky and weird, she does use them as like kind of like clubs for a minute. And then she fans them out and shows them off. And it's, it's cool because it's like, Oh wow. She, that it looks good. It, it looks cool. You know what I mean? You're, you're you've played the games you're excited to see these things if you're a fan or if you're not excited to see it, whatever. I I was excited to see it. So smoke, uh, fires rockets from his chest, which is interesting, um, to the degree that why aren't we seeing sector at this point? Then, um, is this an homage to sector? I'm not sure. I don't remember smoke ever firing rockets, but I mean, it could just be a default, like cyborg thing, even though Cyrax, didn't get any missiles but we'll touch base on cyrax in a little bit here so either way fight goes on smoke um kind of gets warmed up another missile we've seen him fire off one blow up a bridge uh luke kang dodged it kicks him down he gets back up uh you know he starts warming up another rocket and who glides in none other than sub-zero brother sub-zero's brother comes gliding in out of nowhere and somehow magically because he's not attached to a zip line he kind of just is gliding across the screen it's an interesting scene nonetheless he fires out his freeze ray um who freezes smoke mid uh mid arming of the missile um 
and he yells out like get down and and tries to dodge the explosion to a degree i mean luke kang is like blown away um uh, after he kicks smoke into a uh a pit and then he blows up and luke kang jumps out of the way and sub-zero stands there and to dodge the explosion puts one arm over his face and then looks back to survey the scene still in ninja stance which is interesting i don't remember ever surveying a scene after an explosion while maintaining my i'm going to beat the shit out of if this thing survived falling into a pit blowing either way so it's a really really hilarious scene um just kind of just why would he it doesn't seem very effective to block your face with one arm from an explosion that just blew a guy away so either way um so we're, we're we dealt with the smoke scene we discovered that sub-zero's brother is now uh in the movie and fun fact uh this is also true in the video games that sub-zero does die like that's part of the lore sub-zero dies and i spoke about this in the first movie and he comes back as noob sabot um and Sub-Zero's brother actually carries on in the the movies um, and the games. So, uh, discernible by his giant scar over his eye, um, you know, we now deal with him. So, and again, this is where we get to see a little bit more of what the Lin Kuei can do. We get more out of Sub-Zero's brother than we did Sub-Zero in the first movie. And I wish it would have been opposite. I wish we could have seen more of Sub-Zero doing what his brother does in this movie in the first movie. Um they really emphasize how the Lin Kuei does what they do. And if you're familiar with Avatar, it's most relatable to like water bending with a small twist. Um, they pull the moisture out of the air. They form a ball of water. They freeze that and they fire that out as if a flame, like the opposite of a flamethrower. So Sub-Zero's brother creates this ice bridge and they start walking across it. And won't you know it, two... <sighs> Two spears come out of the smoke from underneath the clouds, if you will. But it's not two spears. It's one spear with two heads. And they look like chains now. I, I, don't, I don't know if these people ever really knew who Scorpion was. But no. Like, no. And they're still alive. There's still these weird dragon things. You had a second chance to get Scorpion right. And you really fucked it up in this one. What they did to Sub-Zero in the first movie, they did to Scorpion in the second movie. And it's really unfortunate because Scorpion did so freaking well in the second, in the first movie. And they gave it to Sub-Zero in this one and just fucked over Scorpion so bad. So, um... Now we see Scorpion is is back and doing his thing. Sub-Zero uh, is cool, though. He he uses his Ice Clone, which is I thought was really cool. Um, the Ice Clone is a very popular move in in the, the games because of the fact that if your opponent touches it, they freeze instantaneously. And it's a rather fast move because you stand where you are and then you flip backwards and right there is your, your ice attack. So it's it's kind of hard to dodge when you do it well. But it, So it's kind of cool they, they did that. Um, and so Sub-Zero and Scorpion have this fight, which is okay. Um, and so we're about 20 minutes into the movie now. Sub-Zero and Scorpion are fighting. 
Um, and eventually, you know, the fight goes on and Scorpion kind of melts, which is weird. I, I don't remember Scorpion ever melting, um, but he kind of melts. And so that's the thing. Um, and what he does with his time while he's melted uh, is goes and grabs Katana and utters one of the best words before teleporting away. He screams out suckers. He yells suckers and teleports away with Katana. So now we have <laughs> Scorpion, who is like the king of one lines for his get over here. In the first movie, he yells, get over here. And then when he kicks down uh, a thing, he yells, get down here. Okay, so we're, we're, <laughs> we're one and one. All right, we got one good line. One, I don't know what he was thinking line uh, in the first movie. Now we're into the second movie, and you guys have done it again. He introduces himself with his classic, get over here, and starts fighting. Uh, and then uses another line and i'm not sure if i'm really disappointed with this one where he yells suckers before he teleports away i thought it was hilarious um it's <laughs> just very like what <laughs> what are you doing so <laughs> either way we move on all right so katana's been captured again scorpion has now established himself as the errand boy um and uh sonya goes to find Jax. um raiden had earlier taken her in a velosphere to find her her coworker Jax, who we find in an abandoned, nearly on fire, um, what's it called? Uh, like complex, I guess, for lack of better words. It's a it's a science lab that's completely abandoned. Looks like it's been abandoned for quite a while. And Jax is there with metal arms, which is cool. Yeah, we get we get Jax finally. This is our Jax that we know and love. Um, but he is uh. He is uh, strapped to. Uh, it's not strapped because they're metal. They're metal clasps that look like they were welded to the table that he was on. So I'm not really sure what they did to him here, uh, or how they got the arms on, or what, what the whole scene is really. Um, but either way, so now he explains. All right, I got these sweet arm augmentations that quadruple my muscle capacity and output and it enhances me i'm i'm jacks and all right cool awesome we get jacks but that's not the highlight of this scene the highlight of the scene for me was cyrax we get to see cyrax um cyrax who shows up is the most badass cyborg you possibly could ask for he just starts blowing shit up. He just he doesn't even talk. He just goes in there and starts firing bombs out of his chest and blowing shit up. And that's how he establishes himself. He's just like, I'm here to fuck shit up. And he says the line. Death is the only way out. Major Briggs, Sonya Blade, Shao Kahn will be pleased. Shao what? And so after he... he establishes himself this really badass almost like terminator ass scene um he he uh blows up this glass wall and the acting in this scene couldn't have been worse they are like mildly dodging glass like i don't even know how to describe it but if you kind of like wanted to really just fake something like you're exaggerating how fake you're like uh uh that's that's what that scene was 
So, um, you know, now we've got Cyrax and, and Sonya and Jax all fighting, right? Um, and so eventually we get to see uh, Cyrax use his famous uh, net move, uh, which dissolves the guy, which is cool. And ultimately, unfortunately, Cyrax loses um, and self-destructs. So that's cool. But either way. You know, we got our fun. We had our fun with that. So after everything, we kind of cut back. <laughs> we cut back to uh, Liu Kang on his quest to find Nightwolf. So that was the whole point. He was out there trying to find Nightwolf. So Nightwolf is uh, a Native American character who is introduced as a wolf at night. Hence Nightwolf. But he also is the introduction to Animorphs. And by Animorphs, I mean Animalities. That was a, that was a joke for all you 90s kid. Um, so, Animalities. Uh, from the video games, this is an opportunity for you to turn into a creature of some sort to perform a fatality as that creature, which is cool. Um, so, Nightwolf is brought in as a wolf. He's like, that was my animality as he transforms back when Liu Kang's like, sweet, I want one of those. And Nightwolf's like, well, we got to put you in a dream state. There's a fast way and there's a slow way. And Liu Kang obviously, you know, has to vote for the, the faster way. And Nightwolf throws a fucking hatchet at him. And he underhand throws it. What have you, what? How do you, what? I, I couldn't comprehend First of all, why it was an underhanded throw. Second of all, I get why he used the hatchet, because that's one of his moves from the video game. And they intentionally have the hatchet as he like looks at it and kind of like rubs his finger across the blade. They show it kind of shimmering green, which is again, you know, what it looks like in the game when he throws it, it's a green hatchet. It's like a spirit hatchet of some sort. Either way, so he underhand throws this hatchet at Liu Kang, totally knocks him out, right? He goes through this whole dream state where they show him partially transforming into what's going to be his animality at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. Um, and so he wakes up and Nightwolf's gone. Okay. So again, kind of tying it back in, we've been just fight, 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 new character, new character, new character, new character. And this doesn't slow down because they introduce Jade, who is there for Liu Kang when he wakes up after Nightwolf has left and it started snowing in the desert. And Jade is, like, throwing herself onto Liu Kang. She's a weird character in this movie. But she also introduces the female ninjas, which is, okay, you know, cool. Like, I'm glad that they, they brought the female ninjas in. That, that's really cool. Other than Katana, we're now starting to see the other girls, um, which are, you know, some of my favorites, honestly, in the games because they're just fucking nimble and fast and so fun um but either way jade uh introduces herself to Liu kang and she's barely wearing anything really and she just like kind of takes Liu kang's face and just puts it right into her boobs and she's just like hey i want to fuck and so they kiss um but then Liu like pushes her away he's like no thanks my heart belongs to somebody else i.e katana so she gets like butthurt like she acts like a child almost she like kind of cowers away she's like oh and she covers up a little bit 
And then she tries to beat the shit out of Liu Kang. Because she's like, really, I was Jade all along. Well, she announced that she was Jade. But she then turns into a ninja. Like, she puts her costume on, essentially. And starts fighting Liu Kang. And they have this weird fight. And then Liu Kang wins. And then she's like, ha, it was all a trick. I just needed to test you. And he's like, uh, oh, okay. Well, moving on then. So... Again, we're bouncing back and forth a lot here, and this is literally how the movie goes. Like I'm, I'm going in in line with the movie here. This is the back and forth we get. So now we're going to uh, Sonia and Jax again, who are out in the middle of nowhere, right? And so we've already introduced Jade. So we need to introduce another, uh, you know, female ninja antagonist this time, Melina. Melina is the terrible clone of Katana, who is part Tarkan, um, if I remember if that's the name of him, uh, Tarkatan, whatever, either way, but they don't show this, they, they, they show her in the iconic costume of her face being covered up almost entirely, um, but you don't get to see the horrible mouth of Melina, that is the Cartan, the Tar Tarkin, whatever. Either way. So we don't get to see this. Even though we know later on in the movie they could have easily done this because they bring in Baraka, who is Tarkin, Tarkatan. I'm just gonna say monster creature. Either way. We know that they have the special effects for this. They could have shown Molina's face to be this horrible monster like creature. Either way, she just gets the shit beat out of her. She's a very lackluster character. Comes and goes. Nothing to really talk about there. But there's a giant statue that's kind of lurking in the background. And these statues have been kind of relevant throughout most of the movies at this point. And I don't really know what the deal is with these creatures. If they're like the uh, Weeping Angels from doctor who or if they just kind of i don't know what their the thing is but the statue turns into a giant monster out of nowhere again terrible cg and then Jax comes out of nowhere and beats the living cg crap out of this monster who then sinks into the ground like no exaggeration it's like if somebody grabbed his legs and started pulling him back into the hole where the statue was pulled into the ground so that's a thing. So, at the Temple of the Elder Gods, Liu Kang, Jax, Sonya Blade, all these guys are reunited. Hey, we found each other sweet somehow. Um, <clears throat> and they're they're outside the, the Temple of the Elder Gods looking for Raiden. And Liu Kang assesses the situation from essentially a mile away, looking at the outside of the Elder Gods Temple. And he's like, he's not here. There's no way he's inside. If he's not standing outside... And I can barely see him. He's not here. We got to move on. And hot on their heels is another extermination squad. So here we are. Luke King's assessing mile away. Raiden's not there. Extermination squad on their heels. And who pops out of nowhere? Literally thin air. Raiden. But now Raiden's got a haircut. Because he's immortal now. So not immortal. He is immortal. Uh, so he gave up his powers to um, better try and protect the humans. That's kind of like his thing now. I, I don't know. It's weird. Um, but, you know, they go on and 
more more exposition and more plot and all this stuff and eventually these statues again there's like a theme going on here it's not really statues though these things start kind of crawling up the walls and they're like similar to reptile but when they finally appear uh they look like noob sayoba uh, um and that's kind of interesting because i think we were all kind of looking for him in the darkest corners that we possibly could because this is when you know noob was really really starting to kind of make an appearance in the games and we're, we're seeing this whole thing it was kind of cool and they show off these guys by like doing these sweet acrobatic like again very reminiscent of the reptile fight from the first movie they're kind of backflips and corkscrew flips and and all this stuff and they're showing one guy doing that and then they cut to the other guy on the other side and he kind of just does a little side hop so you got like crazy acrobatics cut side hop and it's like what why would you what kind of editing is this? What is this movie trying to accomplish? I, I don't know anymore. I've completely lost faith in the editor. Um, so they fight, and it's just one of those generic fights. Um, and later, as we progress through the movie, uh, Liu Kang eventually comes across... So he comes across Katana, who's locked in the cage, and encounters Baraka, who is guarding the cage. And Baraka is kind of like a interesting character in this whole fight scene it's kind of it's kind of cool they brought him in but you know again just it seems like they were just throwing characters at you too much to really give them any sort of um real chance to show off their their characters so um what's interesting about this whole scene is uh fun little bit of trivia here as well um earlier shao khan was having a meeting with all the generals and rain um, had failed him rain was like oh i didn't do what you told me to and shao khan's like there will never be another mistake and takes a hammer and slams rain into the the fire pit that happens to be there when barack dies uh from Liu kang kicking him into the fire pit that is a recycled scene it is literally a recycled scene if you watch and pause Barack <laughs> turns into rain falling into the fire pit. So they literally cut that scene and, and they couldn't reshoot it for some reason. I, I would love to know why they couldn't reshoot it as Baraka. But I guess at this point they had given up just as much as we had. They're just like, fuck it. Let's just make this movie and get out of here. Let's just, just try to get what little money we can from this and, and move on. So, um, and then they introduce, and this is where I'm saying that they really don't have enough time to, at this point, show off the characters this is an hour and a half movie we're almost an hour into it um so they gotta start wrapping up these loose ends pretty quickly shiva shows up she jumps in (laughs) she delivers a one-liner and then she goes to attack and Liu kang cuts the chain that katana's in and drops it on shiva who's then crushed so there's your epic shiva fight the (laughs) the homage to goro crushed by a death cage so that's cool we'll keep moving along here um so we go on and it's a plot twist uh shao khan is actually raiden's brother and their father is the elder god okay uh shao khan uh feeds jade to a wall monster who burps after he eats her 
Funny stuff. Real funny stuff. Um, Ermac, during this final fight, like, they got this huge brawl out in the wasteland, right? So here we are, end fight. End of the movie, Ermac creates a clone of himself. Now, for those who don't know, Ermac is the uh, embodiment of, like, a thousand warriors all put into one body. And he creates a clone of himself. uh, And... Again, it, it almost looks like Noob Sailbot. Uh, Noob Sailbot, however you want to say it. It almost looks like him. So, again, I, maybe it's just me. Maybe it was intended, but they really are, like, putting a lot of black suit ninjas out there in the world for us to be like, oh, come on. Um, and so, and creating that clone, it, it was like, eh, Ermax thing's not really creating clones. That is a noob thing. But not so much an Ermac thing. Ermac is more like telekinesis kind of stuff. So a little interesting there. And then we get to the Liu Kang-Shao Kahn fight where Liu Kang turns into a small dragon and Shao Kahn turns into a horrible, hideous thing that looks like it came out of dead space. Some sort of necro-hydra thing. It was weird. Either way, some sort of worm necrosis Hydra with arms. Either way, it's a very short battle between the two of them as their animalities. Um, and again, I'm sure the budget uh, really restricted a lot of that, you know. Um, and so, you know, the final fight goes down, uh, and Liu Kang wins, of course, you know, good triumph over evil. And the Elder Gods show up right before this whole thing and they're like all right we're gonna have a real mortal combat here and so long story short they have their mortal combat Liu Kang wins pretending the protecting the earth realm once again Shao Kahn's father the elder god kind of pulls like a zed from Superman I think it was where he kind of turns into like a digital cube air like a cube thing and starts like folding in on himself and kind of flips into non-existence. And Shao Kahn similarly has a dragon eject from his entire body uh, from the tattoo that was given to him as temporary pass, unless it's actually his bloodline, which would make some more sense. Uh, but either way, a giant dragon erupts from his body and equally flips out of existence. I'm not sure what it, I'm, I'm I'm done trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, I've completely given up on the movie. We made it through all my favorite parts. Uh, and at this point, they're wrapping up the film. Uh, they flash a bunch of stock footage of various cities, New York City, Paris, San Francisco, you know, all these places that were being absorbed by the outer world is now back to normal. So here we go. Um and they just kind of pop back into Earth Realm at the Monk Temple. And all the monks are there and everything's just kind of corporate casual. They're like, oh, okay. We did it. Hey, yeah. They have their celebration. Um, and so Raiden is offered a position as um, an elder god at this point. He takes over Shinnok's spot. So he took over his father's spot. Uh, and... Uh, the end credits roll, and it's KFM KMFDM's Megalomaniac. So, uh, in summary, 
Mortal Kombat Annihilation, maybe not as good as I remember it. It was almost a chore to get through the movie. I actually stopped halfway through and, and took a small break. And I mean, besides having the hangover, I think even despite having a hangover, I, I would not recommend really watching this movie. And maybe that's why I didn't make it onto Netflix with its first movie. Um, I, I like all the characters. I wish they would have spent more time with all the characters. There's a, there's a lot of great names that drop in this one as far as Mortal Kombat characters are concerned and just not enough time spent with them. We could have had more from Motaro. Um, we could have had more from Shiva. That would have been interesting. Sindel, all this stuff. Like it was cool because they did showcase a lot more of the moves that we wanted to see in the first one. Like, you know, in the first one, we only get a small glimpse of, um, Liu Kang's like bicycle kick and Sub-Zero and Scorpion and Fireball. But really in this one, we get Nightwolf and his glowing hatchet. We get Raiden doing his torpedo move. We get, you know, Cyrax. We get Smoke. We get Sub-Zero's brother doing the ice clone. Jax hammering the ground and creating an earthquake. Um, just a lot, a lot of great stuff on that side of things. But really, just bad acting all the way around, even from the veteran characters. A lot of bad acting. So I think Johnny Cage made the right move, getting his neck broken at the beginning of the movie, to not have to live out this whole thing. Um, But, I mean, really, really, it's not as good as I remember. I'll loan up to it. I'll loan up to it. It's not as good as I remember. Still a lot of fun. But this one might go back into the archives for... A long time, unfortunately. I think it's best to be seen on YouTube as a highlight reel and nothing more at this point. Um, unfortunately, the child in me wishes it could love the movie, but it just doesn't hold a candle to the first movie. It really doesn't, unfortunately. So there you have it, folks. Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <sighs> just spare yourself the time and maybe watch it again, but... I wouldn't waste any money on it. So this has been another episode of Hangovers and Hand Grenades. I'm starting to feel a little bit better as I pump myself full of more coffee. But until next time, make sure to give the page a like, leave a comment, let me know what you think about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. As always, I love to hear your feedback. And remember, close enough is good enough.